You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. This is Real Presence Live. Steve Sponskowski along with Tom O'Keefe. We've had a great morning, Tom. Talking uh, first with Robert Beerish uh, up there in Thief River Falls. He's gonna, there's a uh, honoring the Vietnam Veterans March 25th. Feast of the Annunciation in Thief River Falls. And if you'd like to take part in that, that is on March 25th um, at the Armory in Thief River Falls. And uh, if you want more details, you can call Robert at 218-686-0245. We just uh, finished uh, talking with Jen Settle about the theology of the body um, and the Awaken retreat, the women's retreat that she's going to be coming to Fargo for here on March 24th through the 26th. And if you want more details on that, FargoDiocese.org forward slash retreats or MaryvaleND.org. You can sign up. There's a few more spots left. And, and in those two conversations, Tom, we were talking, really kind of talking about human experiences and respecting the human person. And the question that came up in the first hour was, how can you still respect people in authority who you disagree with? And I think Jen gave us an answer. Yeah, and you have to go back to that, that, I, that concept that everybody's made in the image and likeness of God, uh, whether we agree with their position or or not, and and that and that body is like she said is the smallest sacramental way that that they experience the world. Yeah. So I mean, in sometimes I have people who say you know to me about somebody that they disagree with. Usually a politician. He's just pure evil. He's just pure evil. It's like that's not true. We were made good. Our bodies were made good. Now we can choose evil. We can choose bad, and that can affect our bodies in a certain way. But we are still at our very core, our very nature, made in the likeness and image of God. And so, as Jen was saying. Imagine what the, how the world would look different if we looked at every person that we saw and said, they are made in the image of God. How do I see God in this person? They may make poor decisions. They may make evil and sinful choices, but God is still in there, and he's still drawing this person to himself. How, how that would change the world, especially in those positions where we disagree with somebody who is making important decisions, God still working for that person's conversion. And what does it look like when you're, you're thinking about how to love your neighbor, how to love your neighbor, that, that gentleman that you are, that person that you disagree with the most. And as, as you start to pray for them, it, it changes you uh, and it changes your disposition, how, how you look at them. Yeah, so someone makes me think of the best way to approach it is to unite my prayers with the Lord and saying, Lord, how are you trying to reach this person and how can I be a part of that work that 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 evangel, you know, evangelization, that work that you're already doing to reach this person. And, and sometimes it is difficult to look beyond that evil that you see to the good that's, that underlies. Yeah. You know, like you were saying earlier, there's nobody that's all evil. No. Uh, and, and, Only and, Satan. And, Satan and, is yes, pure. And, and to, build, to build on that good. Find that common ground and build on that. Right. Yeah. It's an interesting concept. And I think it's important for us to stop and sometimes think about, you know, Jesus says, love your enemies. What does that mean? What does that mean when he says that? Um, and what's that invitation? Is it impossible? No, because he wouldn't ask us to do something impossible. And so I think loving our enemies is, is part of that, of seeing God in them um, and, and really moving forward. And one of the great things that we have, of course, vocations in our diocese, uh, in our, in the, in our, across our network, our diocese plural, which is a plural world all by itself. It's plural and singular, uh, thanks to Latin. But we're going to talk up next here with Ed Konechka, um, with um, about the vocation jamboree, jamboree coming up here, March fourteenth uh, through the sixteenth. Ed, good morning. Good morning, Steve. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. So, as assistant director of university ministry, what what do you do? 
Uh, I well, the short answer is my role is to support our chaplain and director, Father Balk, in executing his ministry. But uh, I'm part of the staff at University of Mary. I work with the 15 uh, student ministry team. Uh, we're responsible for creating an environment where every student who steps on campus and faculty and staff have an opportunity or an environment where they can grow in their faith, from the liturgy, the liturgical life, uh, confession schedule, adoration. We do outreach events. We run retreats. Uh, so trying as much as we can in outreach where we're trying to reach students who aren't really here for the Catholic faith, because that's true, right? They come for other things, and, and they're still uh, in our in our care. And so, and then we, we do outreach as well, and I'm responsible for a team of students that goes into parishes and does confirmation retreats. So from the moment uh, one of those students steps on campus there at University of Mary, your goal is to have them uh, enter into an encounter of the Lord, a deeper uh, uh, experiencing that draw. What do you see them looking for? Uh, what are you seeing there as our youth uh, enter the, into the college years? What, is their, what are their first questions that you think they're, they're asking? The, the interesting thing about that question, I would say, is that there isn't a, a one answer. And the reason for that is because of uh, who we are as a university. And we've got students who come there specifically because they love the Catholic culture and the environment at the university. They love that we're on mission. And so they come seeking, you know, there's students who walk on campus and say, hey, you have a focus team, or I know you have a focus team, I want to be in a Bible study. And then you have other students who come on campus who are looking for uh, a great nursing degree or a great edu- education degree uh, or whatever they come for with a great business school and now an engineering school. They come for those, uh, and some of those are Catholic students, some are not. And so each student comes with something different, and our role is to try to engage all of them where they're at and then help them move further in the spiritual life. Well, that certainly sounds uh, like a different uh, college experience than the the one you hear about uh, in in the secular world. Absolutely, and the truth is it's what sets us apart also from some of our, um, our peer schools. A lot of our schools would have a much higher percentage of Catholic students. We're about 60% Catholic, but actually I like that. I wouldn't have what we are. I wouldn't change it because our students get an encounter of a more real-world experience. You've got people here who are really on fire for the faith. They want to grow, and you've got people who don't understand that, and you can reach out and explain your faith and live it. And when you leave college, of course, that's what you're going to find, right? You're not going to walk into a place that's 98% Catholic. And so um, our hope is to prepare our students. One, one thing that we say in university ministries, our goal is to prepare great parishioners for life. <laughs> you know, it's not our main mission, but it's part of it. I want people who receive a UMary grad to say, at a Catholic parish, hey, I love this kid, can I have another UMary grad? So that's one of the things that we're trying to do. Yeah, I love, I love that attitude. You're pre- preparing them to be a great parishioner. Um, because that that's important. Once they sometimes we get involved in organizations and everything is about that organization. So once you leave Uni- University of Mary, um, it's not that's your alma mater, but that's not your life. You have to move on, right? You have your your professional career that you work in, but also really that our our family, our religious family, our 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 faith family is our parish, and so one has to be involved in that. Yeah, and I mean, really, we're we're trying to prepare them to be great disciples, but a really, really good disciple is also a great parishioner. Yeah, I mean, because you go to your parish to be fed, right? You have to be filled up. It's kind of like that fountain. You have to be filled, and if you can't give what you don't have, and so if you don't have the sacraments, if you're not filled with the sacraments, you can't give Jesus to the world. You can't be a disciple. So they go hand in hand. They do, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yep. So let's talk about where we get the sacraments because uh, we got to get those from the priesthood. Well, we get them from Jesus, and he, he makes them possible to us through the priesthood. Yep. And you're having this event coming up called the Vocations Jamboree. Talk to us about that. Like I say, this is one of the, the actually from our office, one of the harder things to do because it's very uh, complicated and involved, but it's also my favorite. I think this is my favorite event of the year. And uh, what we'll do is, uh, it's a three-day event, but really the main day is Wednesday, March 15th. And we'll have, uh, right now I think we have 45 or 46 different organizations coming to campus. Most of those are religious communities. Some of them are also service communities. Uh, and they come to campus, and we'll start with our 10 a.m. Mass, which is uh, like a Sunday Mass on Wednesday. We, you know, we pull all the stops off for this Mass. It's a beautiful liturgy. And then the rest of the day, these communities will each have their own table in the Lumen Vitae Student Center, our main uh, student center on campus. And uh, for the day, students will walk by and will just get to encounter the wide variety of vocational opportunities for them. And so we'll have uh, religious sisters, religious brothers, we'll have priests, We'll have service organizations, and the, the goal is designed to help our students to create an environment where they ask, what's my big vocation? How am I called to give my life away? Not in the little daily, but also in the big sense. Like, where is God calling me to spend my life? So who's the target audience for this event, Ed? The, the primary is our students, right? Our, the primary is our students on campus uh, who were... It, this comes from Vision 2030. It's a strategic plan the university developed uh, in, I think, 2013. They started it. And they laid out, here's where we want to be by 2030. And there was a subcommittee on vocations, and this came out of that. And uh, the goal is, like I said, to create this environment for our students. But others do come. So the general public comes, particularly for the evening. There's a keynote speaker every year as part of this. I'll tell you more about that in a minute if you want. Uh, but we have high schools that will come. Trinity comes every year to St. Mary's. Uh, Bishop Bryan, when it works, it's a hall, you know, a longer hall for them. But uh, the, so the high school students will come. We've got youth groups in town. I think about St. Anthony's one that always sends a group. There's a couple other groups that come when they can, like after school, they'll grab students and bring them. So uh, we've got families who come with their young kids to say, hey, we're talking about vocations and homeschool or whatever. So it's really open to the public. Our primary is our students. Very good. So that's the Vocations Jamboree. March 14th through the 16th at the University of Mary. And how do people, uh, do they have to sign up for that, or they just walk in? How, how do they uh, get connected to that? That's a great question. Either is fine. A walk-ins are fine. Uh, if we get a head count and people want to see the schedule, let us know uh, what parts they'll be at. It's a simple email address. It's www.umary.edu, which is ours, umary.edu, slash vocjam, V-O-C-J-A-M, nice and short. All right. So that website's got a schedule. It's got all the information. It's got a way to say, hey, I'm, I want to come. Very good. Well, we're visiting with Ed Konichka about this Vocations Jamboree at University of Mary, March 14th through the 16th. And again, you can walk in or you can uh, send a note over there, umary.edu forward slash vocjam, V-O-C-J-A-M. We're going to continue this conversation on the other side of the break with Ed Konichka uh, on Real Presence Live. But uh, So don't go anywhere. We're going to continue to talk about this. This is Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. We can access Jesus' healing power through the sacrament of confession. 
But how can telling a priest my sins heal me? People pay good money to unburden themselves to psychotherapists because of a deep-seated human need to confess and be absolved. Through our contrition and confession to the Lord Jesus in the person of the priest, we accomplish the healthy task of accountability in an age of shirking of personal responsibility. But beyond the psychological benefits of admitting wrongdoing so that we can move on, our souls are literally wiped clean in this sacrament. We are given the grace and the strength to go out there and actually do better. A truly clean and peaceful spirit leads to a healthier body and mind. The sacrament of confession is a well of healing for your soul. Is it time for you to go to confession? Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace. Power. Purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. Seven years ago, my wife and I and four of our kids, um, one, well, five of our kids, one was still inside uh, Mama at the time. We felt something was missing in our in our faith life, in our in our church where we were, and we went through a period of kind of being in the wilderness. Over that period of searching, God led us to uh, to St. Mary's, and we began a journey of conversion. Uh, went through RCIA here at the Cathedral Parish, and uh, there was no turning back once once we went down that road. And and I, I tell lots of people that. What If you are a devout Christian and you begin this process with an open mind to learn what the Catholic Church has to say about herself, uh, it will be hard to resist her. And, uh, and we found that to be the case, and we have been thrilled and exuberant Catholics ever since. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. This is Real Presence Live. Steve Splonskowski along with Tom O'Keefe. We are your hosts this morning. Thank you for staying with us um, and joining in the conversation. We're, adding, we're visiting with Ed Konichka here this morning from the University of Mary, talking about our Vocations Jamboree coming up March 14th through the 16th. Um, and if you'd like more details on that, umary.edu forward slash vocjam, V-O-C-J-A-M. Talk to us about the keynote speaker there, Ed. Yeah, absolutely. So the university's highest award that we give out, the Lumen Vitae Medal, and each year uh, that's given to one individual who has committed their life uh, to... Um, higher education, Catholic education specifically. Uh, those have been champions of it. Some previous uh, winners, Archbishop Chapu, uh, Dr. Jenna Manabola, George Weigel, Bishop Barron, Curtis and Michael and Martin, uh, Scott Hahn have all received this medal. This year it'll be John Garvey. Uh, John Garvey served in his 12 years to the president of Catholic University of America, where he made a really substantial uh, contribution. Uh, he also was a, the dean of Boston College Law School, He's argued cases before the Supreme Court. He's a pretty serious intellectual Catholic on a wide variety of experiences. So he'll receive the Lumen Vitae Medal at 7 o'clock on uh, Wednesday night on the 15th. And then after that, he'll give us a keynote. So that's one of the highlights of the event. Uh, so who are then, some of the other organizations that will be joining you, Ed? Sure, absolutely. Our our own sisters, the Benedictine Sisters of Annunciation Monastery and Assumption Abbey and other local orders, I'm just going to read from the top in the order they registered, so I'm not picking favorites, right? Legionaries of Christ, Gospels of Life, uh, Paulus Fathers, Society of Jesus, 
Holy Spirit Missionary Sisters, the Franciscan Sisters of Diligent, Marianol Sisters, uh, Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate, Marianol Missionaries, Divine Word Missionaries. You can see this all this like all over the map of, of religious communities. Dominican Sisters of Hawthorne, uh, and then some service communities. Uh, Focus usually sets up a table, Met Ministries, uh, Totus Tuus, Young Disciples. There's different groups that come and set up uh, seat teaching fellows. So some of those are shorter, you know, summer opportunities, how to spend your summer giving your life away. Uh, of course, the primary is the religious and, uh, and the priestly vocations, uh, looking for lifelong vocations. So one of the reasons I love this event is for that reason. You know, when we started it, uh, the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal came. Uh, uh, there's a Brother Simon, and they're pretty radical. Like, people love them, the way they live their lives. And Brother Simon actually stayed at our house, and I've got pictures of him in his full gray habit jumping on the trampoline with my, at the time, probably seven-year-old. Right? Just, they, they just love life. And, and he heard that we had a racquetball court. And he asked me, do you play racquetball? And I like, yeah. And he said, well, we should play tomorrow. And he was way too excited, and I knew that I was in trouble. Right? And he came with shorts under his habit. So we got the racquetball court. He took his habit off. We played racquetball. And, uh, and he was hitting the ball between his legs. He actually hit the ball behind his back. It was like my shoes were untied, right? And so... I have this great memory of him and his interaction with our students, and that's what this is about for our students to understand. Like, all these people in these religious communities, the priests, the sisters, the brothers, they're all normal people like you and I, and they're joyful and they're loving life and they're going after life. And so one of the things that happens at Vocation Gentry is our students get to encounter the wide variety of opportunities or calls. It's not, I mean, it's a call, right? They got to call them too, but recognizing... It doesn't, they don't give up who they are. They give who they are to the Lord in that vocation. So one of the things that happens is just that it can, it can open up a new understanding of a, of a path for someone, and, and it can diminish fear. Right? A lot of our young people are afraid, uh, I think, to give their lives away in a lifelong commitment. Or, you know, when I was young, man, a lot of guys said, it. you know, if, I, if God calls me the priesthood, I'd have to give up this, 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 and this, and it's focused on a negative. And the vocation jamboree, does the opposite. It says, look what these people have. Look at their joy. Look at their peace. Look at God's role in their lives. This could be for you. Is God calling you to this? And so it changes the conversation for some people. You know, Ed, my question was, you know, what are, what are some of the fruits of, the, of these efforts? Because you shared earlier, this is one of the, the favorite things that you do. And, and you've kind of asked, uh, answered that a little bit, but can you share a little bit more about what, what the fruits of this, of this uh, vocation jamboree are? Um, one thing is that I think we want to create this environment, and we're doing that. You know, the number of our students who, uh, young men who decide to go into seminary, uh, one of the guys on my ministry team uh, is, is in the process of applying for seminary in his diocese. Uh, the, you know, we, we do it. This is a, not a shameful, shameless plug, but we create an event that we call the late show with Father Bach. It's great fun. Father Bach is our chaplain and our director of universal ministry, and every Thursday night, we set up a fake little night show, late show. He's got a desk and a short little mic stand. We put a couch and a coffee table. We've got branded mugs. And we bring guests in every week uh, to uh, just visit with Father Bach and our students come. We have a couple hundred students every Thursday night who come. It's like a late show. It's meant to be. We have a jazz band that plays. It's great fun. Well, the biggest one we've ever had, we had, I think, 345 or 350 students when one of our former students, an alum who had just left here, was on our ministry team, was greatly loved, she went uh, to the Handmaids, and the Handmaids came and visited the late show, and she came. 
and our students came back, and like people were hanging off the furniture, trying to find a spot to sit and listen to her tell her story uh, of her vocation journey. And so we're seeing the fruit uh, in students who are opening their lives to um, the question, where is God calling me? And there's also a conversation. Father Jordan Nash is the vocation director for the diocese right now, and he and Father Balk are um, really messaging to our students very clearly that at some point the sermon has to get out of your head, right? And you ask, yeah, well, I'm discerning priesthood. What are you doing? Well, I'm thinking about it, right? And eventually you have to move. That's part of this whole message, right? One way or the other, date somebody or apply to a seminary or at least visit a seminary or visit a religious community. You know, we have students on our campus, female students, who routinely get a couple of friends together and they'll take a weekend trip and they'll go visit a religious community somewhere and they'll do a come and see event or something like that. And so the fruit is that it's helping us continue that conversation in a way that's comfortable for students. Uh, and again, like I said, you have to remove some of the fear. Uh, and when you can do that, then people step forward boldly. I think it's amazing the, the power of testimony. Um, and we're talking, we talk a lot about this with the Eucharistic revival, you know, how have you encountered Christ? Um, because that power of testimony, that's what's real, right? It right. becomes real when it hits the pavement, when, when the, you know, when he hit the road uh, with life, and you have to say, what, what does me knowing Jesus have anything to do with my life, and how has that possibly changed me in any way? Because if it hasn't, then is it really that important? And so that, this whole right. conversation about the vocation and, and what, is, you know, what is your vocation, how is the Lord calling you um, to impact the world in, in a big way? You know, the, the, the biggest way is your vocation. Of course, every day there's the vocational call within every day, but that conversation. Um, Ed, since we, we, got, we have a few minutes here, can you, can you answer that question for me? How have you encountered Jesus in your life? Hmm. Well, you know, I, I grew up, uh, in a Catholic family, a good Catholic family, and my mom was my CCD teacher in seventh grade. One of the stories that was pivotal for me is that um, they came in, uh, my mom had a group coming called the Blue Army. They were a group committed to Mary Blues or Color. This was in Chicago, South Suburbs. And uh, and they came in and they spoke, and they had every student make a pledge to say, one our Father, ten Hail Marys and glory be every night for the rest of their lives in the souls in purgatory. Right now, in seventh grade, and my mom's CCD. So I made that pledge. And, and it, there were times when I thought that wasn't a fair thing to do to a seventh grader. But every night when I go to bed, I'm, I'm just aware that God is there, and He knows if I said my prayers or not, those prayers that I promised to pray. So that was actually a pivotal moment because it made me daily aware of God's presence. Uh, when I got to college, I encountered a really active Newman Center and young people my age who were living the faith, and that uh, was another deepening. Then I, I uh, heard, and it was actually called, I heard a call to do net ministries. And so I served two years with Net Ministries, and each of those, when I think for an important part of my life with Net Ministries was it's a long story that I can't go into, but I heard this call, and then it was answered in a very particular way, and I had that moment where you're sitting there and you realize for the first time in my life, I heard God, I responded, and I'm in the exact spot where God wants me to be. That changes everything, right? There's an interaction then with God. There's It's not this distant thing, it's personal in your life, and you know, the realization that God has a plan for you, the realization that He can speak to you and you can hear, there's a lot to that. 
That's awesome. And as we're coming up here, uh, Holy Week is, is the next event you said that you're kind of preparing for. Yes. Talk to us about, I mean, yes. that's an encounter with Christ in a whole new way because we, we go through one of the wonderful things as we go through the history of, of salvation history, reading through the Old Testament as we come up to Easter and really understanding Lord, the God, our, our, our Creator God, His plan for us to be in union with Him. So talk to us about the power of, of this Holy Week and, and preparations you're making for that. Well, we, it's, it's a, again, one of our favorite times of year. I keep saying that. There's so many things we do with that are my favorites, right? Volk Chan is my favorite event. Uh, Holy Week, obviously, is our favorite week of the year for everybody, I think, who understands their faith. Uh, I, I mentioned you briefly off air that I had never gone to the um, Saturday Night Easter Vigil because my dad wouldn't go. My first experience was on college campus, and the candles, the lighting, from darkness to light, carrying all the readings of salvation history, all of that. My first experience was in college, and it changed my understanding of Easter. And that's what we want to do here. So our, you know, our uh, campus, University Ministry, we have the full liturgical uh, experience for our students um, for the Triduum. We have the, the Holy Spirit, the Good Friday, Easter Vigil. And then, of course, after, so we have the Easter Vigil Mass, which lasts three hours. I mean, our Easter, our, our Easter Vigil is, is expensive and beautiful. And then we go over to our Crow's Nest restaurant, and we have a celebration feast. And it's fantastic. And we just take all the stops out in the student restaurant and invite everybody to come and celebrate. Wow, that sounds awesome. So great invitations here, folks. Uh, Ed Konechka at the University of Mary inviting you to attend that Vocations Jamboree March 14th to the 16th at University of Mary. More information available at umary.edu forward slash vocjam. Also, put it on your calendar. Holy Week. Holy Week. Attend the events of Holy Week. Uh, leading up to the celebration of Christ's resurrection. Um, and if you can go to the Easter Vigil, which would be on Saturday, really, I mean, it, it might be, at, I don't know, two, two hours, maybe three hours. I, I don't know if it's quite three hours, but at least here in Fargo, maybe two hours. But it is a wonderful experience that, again, the candles, the darkness to the light, and really recounting the Lord's invitation of man into that adoptive uh, really relationship with him uh, through the resurrection. And so uh, keep those on your calendar, March 14th to the 16th, and then Holy Week coming up in April. That is, I believe, the second week in April is Holy Week. So put that on your calendar. Ed, any uh, final thoughts you'd like to share with us? About a minute left. Uh, Steve, I just want to thank you for uh, hosting us. You, you, you just, this was great. I really enjoyed being on here with you, so I appreciate that, and you're letting us tell the story. Uh, if people want to know about this, we didn't go through the exact detailed schedule. That's online. They'll see, you know, what's Tuesday night, what's Wednesday night, what time they can come. Uh, but it really is a great event. You know, when we've had families in the past who bring their younger students, their young kids, if they're doing homeschool, uh, in you know, particularly I grew up, I never encountered a religious sister in a habit, right? We've got students who never have here either. And so this, for some of is the first opportunity. So uh, the public is welcome to come and be part of this experience. Awesome. That's at online, umary.edu forward slash vocjam. Ed Konichka, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. It was my pleasure. God bless. Folks, this is Real God Presence bless. Live. On the other side of the break, we're going to have another testimony, a conversation with a gentleman who's going through RCIA right now, uh, learning about the Catholic faith. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Gaging and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.